0: Hello and welcome to Plottrist. This is Meg. This is Lane, and today we're reviewing Thief of Shadows by Elizabeth Hoyt. This is number 4 in the Maiden
1: Lane series and was published in 2012. And but Meg has a theory about this series and it like being broken up into smaller trilogies.
0: Yeah, so there there are 12 books in this series and each each three books in this series, so there are four sets of three books. Um, that are sort of interlocking trilogies. And so this tril—this is the fourth in the series, but it's the first one about the ghost of St. Giles. Mm-hmm. So very exciting. Also yeah. one of my favorite romance novels of all time. So just keep that it in is, mind, I guess, as we're going through. It's hard for me to stay objective.
1: This is one of the first ones that Meg recommended to me when we first started talking about romance novels. So I have more mixed feelings than Meg does, not because it's its like it's a very good and very sexy book, but it definitely takes the angsty trauma too far for me.
0: Yeah, I, I remember when I was telling Lane about Elizabeth Hoyt, I was like, she's angst to the max. The thing with the thing with Hoyt is that the angst usually doesn't come between the characters like it's not some kind of angst because one person's not telling someone something else. It's, it's really like, really horrible societal things that happen to these people.
1: Yeah. And in this one, just upfront trigger warning, it's
0: child sex
1: trafficking.
0: There is child sex trafficking. There's also a a child sweatshop, sweatshop labor.
1: Yeah. So it's heavy. Yeah. It's very heavy. All right. So with that, the book jacket, a masked man, winter make peace lives a double life. By day, he's the stoic headmaster of a home for foundling children. But the night brings out a darker side of winter. As the moon rises, so does the ghost of St. Giles. Protector, judge, fugitive. When the ghost, beaten and wounded, is rescued by a beautiful aristocrat, winter has no idea that his two
0: worlds are about to collide. A dangerous woman. Lady Isabel Beckinall enjoys nothing more than a challenge. Yet when she's asked to tutor the home's dour manager in the ways of society flirtation, double entendres, and scandalous liaisons, Isabel can't help wondering why his eyes seem so familiar and his lips so tempting. A
1: passion neither could deny. During the day, Isabel and Winter engage in a battle of wills at night, Their passions are revealed.
0: But when little girls start disappearing from St. Giles, Winter must avenge them. For that, he might have to sacrifice everything, the home, Isabel, and his life. It's a good summary. It's really not bad. I think it gives you a good idea. Look, let's be completely honest. This is a masked Avenger book this is like Batman he's like tormented in the way Batman is tormented you know
1: (laughs) except he's not rich it's the opposite so Batman's like I have all the money in the world. I'm going to use it to better society as this vigilante. And Winter is like, I have nothing. And I already dedicate my life to this foundling home. So I'm going to save even more children, even though I have no resources.
0: Yeah. I mean, this Winter is one of those people where in real life, if you met him, he would probably be really tough to get along with because he's so much holier than you are and not in a holier than thou kind of way. He's mm-hmm. one of those he's one of those people where who you work with who never criticizes you, never criticizes the way you eat or the way you consume, but who will go behind your back and like take your the things that you just threw in the trash and put them in the correct recycling bin for you. And so somehow you just can't stand that. You know?
1: Yeah, he definitely has a commitment to his lifestyle Yeah. that, while admirable, I'm sure is also exhausting for everyone around him.
0: And yet, he is one of my favorite romance novel heroes of all time.
1: Yeah, and actually, I have, like, questions for you.
0: Okay, we can... Uh, do you want to do our summaries first, or...? Yeah. Okay. I do.
1: So this um, week, the random number, eight, number generated was a thirty-one.
0: So here's mine. Isabel is an experienced nobleman's widow. Yes, she shares her number. Winter is a virgin masked vigilante by night who runs a foundling school by day. How will they get together? (laughs) And mine.
1: This is ultra peak Elizabeth Hoyt. Saintly and self-sacrificing hero is saved by a woman with a secret trauma that only he can heal with a ton of very hot sex.
0: Also fair. Also fair. <laughs>
1: like I do feel like this is the most representative of Hoyt.
0: Maybe. It could be, yeah.
1: Like the most quintessential.
0: Okay. I can like, I mean I'm that's fair. I feel like if you if somebody
1: hates this, they're gonna hate Hoyt.
0: Yeah. I I would agree with that. If someone hates this, they're they're gonna hate Elizabeth Hoyt. But I well. I don't know how anyone could hate this. It's such a good book.
1: (laughs) So I think one of my favorite things that I want to talk about before we get into tropes, just because with tropes, we typically do the narrative. Mm -hmm. This has like one of the best opening sequences of any book ever.
0: It it really does. It does. And Lane is not a huge Elizabeth White fan. So I, Meg, am a pretty big Elizabeth White fan. Lane can take her in small doses. I have to like read it first and say, I think you could handle this one. Um she Correct. has not yeah, she has not read book three in the series, and book three ends uh in and book four immediately picks up. So book three actually ends with the ghost like crawling along the streets, like trying to escape from an angry mob. And this book opens with Isabel saving the ghost from the angry mob.
1: So she finds this caped crusader broken and bloody in the streets, pulls him into her co- her carriage, covers for him, and then takes him home to immediately hurt comfort patch him up. Yeah. And it's so action-packed with her trying to save him and then her getting, like, sweet-talking away from the cops and getting him into her room and stripping him naked so she can well, sew up his...
0: his wound is in the thigh, so she has to take off his smalls. <laughs> it's
1: it's like it's so much right off the bat and I say that as a huge compliment
0: it's perfect it's it's really good it's it throws you right into the action you get an idea of both of the characters right away too it's just it's very well done I agree and the sequence
1: ends with and this is chapter one with him saying something that reveals their connection to one another. And it's so, like, well, like, it leaves her going, oh, my God. And him mm-hmm. going, oh, my God. It's so good.
0: It's so good. It's really good. It's very, very good. Very well done. Very well done. So, and it's very, it, like I said, this really is, like, Masked Avenger. He is, like, the super, he is a superhero. This is a superhero book sent in, like, the 1730s London. So, hmm
1: So what is a Gentleman Jackson's Get Pumped workout scheme for Mr. Winter Make Well,
0: you would think that someone who runs a foundling home, uh, who's very into religion and teaching young orphans, you know, how to be pious, wouldn't be super buff. But of course he is. And the reason is because at Night Lane, he has to let out the beast. Yeah. And the beast, it's
1: unclear. It seems to be like all of his carnal urges, whether they be for sex or violence. Yeah, No, that's the, piece, the is piece whatever it needs to be in that minute.
0: That it is. It's also, so this book actually kind of draws, in my opinion, from like vampire romances a little bit. Because, you know, okay. if, you read, if you read the vampire romances, that often like the vampires have got to control their urges, right? And then mm. they're, the person they fall in love with is this like fated person who will they can be themselves with they know they'll never hurt this person. They can let the dark side out, you know. Oh true. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. So he's got there's a little bit of that going on. But how does he let the urges out he has to, you know, run over the rooftops and sword fight and do acrobatics and it's a lot of parkour. Yeah, that's what it that's what it is, parkour.
1: So, um, yeah, so he's there's a lot of tropes going on here. I would say his max vi- masked vigilante status does not count, but there are plenty of others.
0: Well, so, I mean, we do have the masked hero, which leads us to who is she in love with, Winter or the ghost?
1: Thank God that's not actually a real conflict in this book because I no, would be so I frustrated. Love, I
0: love so much how it plays out, Lane. Yeah. Love it. But anyway, that Uh, it does lead a little bit to that. So it's a little bit like Superman, Clark Kent, who is Lois Lane in love with. Will she figure it out?
1: Let's just say that, uh, what's her name? Isabel? Isabel Isabel is a lot more uh, quick on the uptake than Lois ever was.
0: Yeah, she figured it out real quick. Thank God.
1: So we have lessons, which is one of our favorite tropes. And in this case, it's society tutoring for him not to make a debut and not to fool anybody and not to like masquerade as a member of the upper crust. But as we said, he's the director of a foundling home and they need to raise money. And yeah. so he's being asked to hobnob in society as sort of a fundraising effort. And they need to trust that he won't stick his foot in his mouth.
0: Exactly. So
1: Isabelle is instructed to tutor him in the art of society.
0: Yeah. And the problem is that Winter is really bad at everything except for the dancing lessons.
1: He's just a little too direct.
0: Yeah. He, tact is not a word in Winter's vocabulary. but And he also doesn't want it to be. Right. That's the thing, too. He, he's like, why should I change for these frivolous aristocrats? Which you know, is, it's a fair question. It's a fair question. it is so uh there are
1: several seductions that at this point I think are tropey in romance novels you've got an opera and carriage
0: yeah opera and carriage so and in her study library in front of the fire it's like several times on several uh (laughs) nights which is great (laughs) So it's, this book is
1: interestingly framed from a sexy perspective, because at first you have her trying to seduce him with him resisting her because of his morals. And then you have him, once he caves and has sex with her, you have him trying to use sex to convince her they can be together. Yeah. So the whole book is a seduction. It just flips halfway through from her seducing him to him seducing her.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's great. You get the best of all worlds. So I have no
1: Seriously.
0: complaints. No complaints about um,
1: We also already mentioned there's, there's some hurt comfort several times over because he... Um, is a masked vigilante who gets injured and she has to patch him back up. But she also has a lot of deep emotional trauma that no one's ever really helped her through. There's a lot of crying in this there's, book.
0: There's, there is a lot of crying. There's a lot of crying on his part, on her part.
1: And Like, I'm not saying that I cried because as we know, I have no soul, but the characters are openly written as sobbing several times over. Yeah.
0: I'm trying to think, I don't think I cried like with, tears but I got (laughs) teary-eyed so if you want to compare the emotional trauma between when he was wicked and thief of shadows when he was wicked was like actual tears and thief of shadows is teary-eyed
1: this book gets emotional at really weird moments There's a scene where she gives him a blowjob that we'll talk about in sexiness, but she cries while she's giving him the blowjob. And then he cries while he comes.
0: Uh And I just
1: took me out of the sexiness for sure. (laughs) Uh,
0: Well, so what, what is her deep emotional trauma? It is infertility.
1: Yeah. So trigger warning and also trope at this point.
0: Yeah. Trigger warning slash trope. Um, But I think it's, of all of the books that we've read that deal with infertility, I feel like this one is handled pretty well.
1: This is also the only book we've read that deals with infertility where she's actually infertile.
0: Which, well, that's, that's the issue. That's actually 100% the issue. There are so many books where, oh, the, she, I'm infertile. But, like, how, how do we know? We don't really know. But in this case, like, she has had um, four really, really terrible um, late-term miscarriages. When and the last died. one,
1: she almost died. Yeah. yeah. So, and the doctor was like, This is not happening again.
0: Yeah. Um, and she's had she's had several lovers since, and I'm I would assume that they didn't take much precaution, uh, because she says that they didn't. And she's never become pregnant. So
1: birth control is never a conversation in this book. No. There's no, no. discussion of pulling out, there's no discussion of protection, there's no discussion like Non-entity.
0: Yeah, which honestly, at this point, doesn't bother me too much in books.
1: It, it was the 1700s; they're consenting adults.
0: Exactly. Whatever. Like, Plus, he's a virgin. Next favorite. Like, <laughs> yes, it's one of my one of my favorite tropes because it's it's hardly around; it's hardly widespread enough for it to be a trope.
1: You know. Yeah, so one of my questions I wanted to ask you was why? Because, like, virgin heroes always make such a big deal out of, like, their virginity being a thing they're saving for their wife, usually. Mm-hmm. And so sex equates to marriage, and that's absolutely true in this book as well. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think even when with women-driven romance novels, r- women written, women as the heroine, if a heroine equates sex with marriage, it's written as naive.
0: yeah even
1: if it's true, like even if she has sex with him and then she gets insecure, like, I don't know if he, I will want him to think that just because we slept together, I expect marriage. And then the man gets to be like, oh, you silly thing. Of course I'm going to marry you.
0: Yeah. Well that, I mean, that happened in this book that happened in this book with uh, Lady Margaret with Meg. (laughs) So there, there is, this happens in a lot of Elizabeth Hoyt books. (laughs) It is that um, the the next book in the series is introduced through passages from those characters' perspective. Without any real relevance to this plot. Right. And this one did have a character. a little bit to do with the plot, but not so much. Not, not, not to like justify
1: the scenes when Wegg's saying there's passages like preparing you for the next book. Mm-hmm. They're scenes between the characters from subsequent books with no presence from the characters in this book. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like, they're telegraphed because Meg's and Isabelle are talking. That happens later in the book, but the first right. couple appearances of Meg's, it's just her and the dude.
0: Yeah, it's true. Um, but that. so what happens with this this couple in the book is that Meg's, Lady Margaret, and uh, Richard, her partner, Roger. Ro- Roger, excuse me, um, have sex at some balls, a couple of balls, and then he does. <laughs> eventually propose and she's like oh my gosh and he was like what did you think like we've we've been having sex like all over town did you think I wasn't going to propose to you and she's like it's not that I just you are a little I get a little nervous about it because who knew and then he immediately um gets murdered so yeah Yeah, he's
1: he kicks it but so I'm just interested into why given the way virginity is like an annoying trope with women I feel like Mm -hmm. and is Often used like it's it's degree, I shouldn't like the way that women who are virgins who then have sex get portrayed in the way that sex relates to like emotional intimacy Mm -hmm. is largely very negative and condescending. It's so like, why do you like it so much when the guy's the virgin?
0: Well, it's not, it's not the it's not his. It's a little bit his attitude towards it, which is um, that it's a serious thing, but it's more that, for me anyway, it's it seems actually like it, like in his case, especially Winter's case, who would he have had sex with? Oh, definitely. But I know, like, I'm not
1: talking about Winter particularly, but you've said several times you love Virgin Heroes.
0: Oh, I, it's... Uh, I, I think just because it's different, honestly, okay. you know,
1: well, and I think I like it too, but I just sort of writing my notes for this when I was thinking about why do I celebrate it when a woman's virginity is downplayed, but I'm glad to see it in a guy.
0: I think just because it's different. I think, I think for me, the issue with the men not being virgins. So it's not that the men are not virgins. It's that I like. I I recently read uh, My Fake Rake mm-hmm. um, by Eva Lee, which I enjoyed. It was a good book. But the guy in the in there, the hero, is supposed to suffer from severe social anxiety. His social anxiety is so bad that he needs lessons um, to be able to go into society, right? Which is totally fair. And yet he's not a virgin. He's had sex with several women in the past. And I was like, well, like how, How you know what I mean? I I don't understand how did he meet these people? What did he do? And it's just sort of brushed aside. And I was like, no, no, no. That makes like no sense to me in this plot. It would have made so much more sense if he were a virgin hero, you know? Right. And I do think that
1: most romance novel heroes are reformed rakes. Yes. And the assumption is that they're very experienced and so the contrast is nice that, like, yeah. they're not making the assumption that every guy's gone out and sown his wild oats with as many women as they could get their hands on. Yeah. But I just, I find the contrast interesting, that I could yeah. find one demeaning and the other yeah. like an interesting spot Well, and I
0: think, I think part of it, so why, if it's a virgin hero, they have to have some kind of deep-seated, you know... Reason for being a virgin hero. So, usually religious. Uh, Let's be honest, most of the time it's some kind of religious reason. Um, But I think that part of the reason they have to have a reason for being a virgin is because if you're reading this book, you want to be reading a book about a man who still is very manly and virile and has urges, right? Mm -hmm. And if it's not hard for him to say a virgin, then What's so special about this woman? Right. You know. Yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not saying that I think it's great. I, you know, but I think that there there's, is why.
1: There's this Oscar Wilde quote that romance novels always make me think of, mm-hmm. and it's men want to be a woman's first love, and women want to be a man's last romance. Mm-hmm. And I do think to a degree, there's the societal expectation that women are willing to look the other way on what men have done before. But as long as they settle down with her. Yeah. Whereas men are looking for untouched or relatively inexperienced or like they want to be the first one, the special, unique instigator of a woman's sexual awakening. And I do think that's A trope that's largely led like what's the word, lent into, leaned into, leaned, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) leaned into in romance novels. And Virgin Hero is such a subversion of that societal expectation.
0: Yeah. Well, and especially here, where I I mean, Winter literally says several times, you need like I I would like you to teach me everything. Like, I want you to teach me. So he's, like, asking for the sexual awakening. That lasts, like,
1: two encounters.
0: Oh, yeah. Then (laughs) he
1: learned it all. And then, but at that point, he's picking her up, walking with her while he's inside her and throwing her against a wall. Like, I didn't hate it. But there is not a whole lot of, like, inexperience beyond, like, the first time.
0: He learned real quick. (laughs) He <laughs> did He's very smart he's very athletic he was good at dancing too so uh, uh, the worst is like i can believe it <laughs> <laughs> you're
1: just like yep sounds good well, like, I yeah. think, props to hoyt you also buy into that both of the their sexual prowess is largely driven by how into each other they are yeah yes like, the, like yeah. she's she's not like oh god he's so good at the actual act of sex she's by the time they get to that so desperate for him and that's sort of the way every encounter goes
0: well yeah i mean their their first i know we've jumped to sexiness here but i I don't even care their first encounter we'll go
1: back to it because there's just so much
0: so there's a lot of it too but their first encounter he's like you know like go slowly i I won't be able to last and she's like i don't care (laughs) like that is It's in a carriage. Um,
1: It is in a carriage. So before we just dive right into the sexiness, because that's where the bulk of this conversation is going to happen, did anything about this offend you? Uh,
0: For me, no. I was not offended by this book. I know that, Lane, I I know you have some more issues. I have trigger warnings. Okay. I don't think anything offended
1: me, but I do think there's a lot of trigger warnings. One, she's infertile. We've talked about that. Yes. Two... So he's a mass vigilante who primarily works to save children in St. Giles. Mm-hmm. And what is the Giles or Giles? I think it's Giles. Okay. Um, I said that wrong earlier. Whatever. I'm not fixing that. So I will say the number one threat to orphan children in the poor part of town is exploitation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And sometimes as Meg said, that means sweatshops. Other times that means. Sex trafficking. Other times, that means just neglect. And I think the discussion of that reality happens at some one. It's hard to talk about. Period. Like if you can't handle mentions of child abuse, like this is not a book for you. Yeah. But the discussion of some of the worst of it happens, you know, immediately before and between sex. It's true. This is true. And I think the the worst one to me. Was the first time he comes to her in her house to be like, oh, no, 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 that was not a one time thing. Show me your ways. He comes in and as he's stripping is explaining to her that he failed to catch the children in the sweatshop that night. Then they have sex. And then she asks him, lying in the postcoital glow to describe the reason he became the ghost of St. Giles. yeah, like and why do you do about- this?
0: Um it's and he- uh, to be to be fair, I think this is like normal pillow talk. Like let's talk about our innermost desires and dreams and feeling. sure. but what he <laughs> says
1: is what drove me to do it is I went to go collect a child that the orphanage had been told was, scared and hungry and alone and as I got there he was being sold into sex slavery and he describes the kid and the kid's tears and the kid's trauma and then ends it with and I wasn't in time <laughs> and yeah then start having sex again and I'm like wait wait, wait wait so this tiny little adorable six-year-old redheaded boy that you just described to me you're ending it with and then he was sold as a sex slave also now do me I yeah. I could I couldn't yep, you, because like,
0: because Winter, uh, explaining why came. he couldn't save him because he was he was a little you know a 17 year old weakling
1: which i'm not saying it's not a good origin story it's clearly a good origin story like there is reason you just, you just
0: wanted it to be somewhere else in the book yeah
1: well, not literally in the middle of two of the most unfuego sex scenes i've read in the last month like come on
0: i mean yeah it's true i i it's don't know so- i I know
1: they don't bother you as much. They're really distracting for me. Like you talk about how you, you feel the characters on a personal level so deeply that you often cry when reading their individual stories. Like I feel these societal ills so deeply that when they happen, they really take me out of the text. And I'm like, no, keep talking about that child. Like, what did you do? Did you ever free him? Who is he? Like for the love of
0: God, (laughs) like, don't just leave me hanging on what happened to this
1: poor little kid.
0: No, it's true. And I mean, that happens in, uh, I don't want to say like in sexy times in these books, but a lot of Hoyt's books, especially this Maiden Lane series, they're set in St. Giles. They're set in these terrible parts of London. And on the one hand, I appreciate that these serious issues are brought up in what a lot of people brush off as, you know, just these novels that you're supposed to read and whatever. Right. But on the other hand... It does take away from that idea of a fantasy. So
1: I, I see both sides. And like I said, here, it's, I, it's not so much that I would have erased it, because I agree with you. Like, it's raw and real and whatever. I just wouldn't have put it mid That's all. Yeah. it's I
0: mean, it is fair. It's fair. <laughs> that,
1: that's my one critique, because it was difficult for me.
0: It's fair. I will say, so here's the thing. We've talked about this when we review Elizabeth Hoyt. Her books are, like, so sexy. They're so sexy. There's so many sex scenes in them um, yeah. that, I mean, they're, it's, it's great. And she is very inventive and they're, they're very hot. <clears throat> so I'm not saying that I want fewer sex scenes. But I will say in this book, I think that the society lessons suffer a little bit. I would have liked more society lessons.
1: Yeah, I think it becomes clear to her pretty early on that it's not that he doesn't know how to behave, it's that he has no interest
0: mm-hmm. in
1: adhering to the behavioral standards. So he doesn't need a lesson on how to make a proper introduction, because he actually does know how to do it. He just doesn't oh, yeah. want to. It's, and I think that's so true.
0: where yeah.
1: a lot of times society lessons end up being she doesn't actually know how to dance. She doesn't actually know which fork to use. And they do become redundant because he does. Yeah. But I agree that there's not a whole lot of. They spend a lot more time together outside the context of sex than I think I expect in romance novels in this book, which like props to that. Mm -hmm. But a lot of their interactions are very serious by the nature of dealing with yeah what's at stake with the children's foundling home and these lessons are for a reason they do need to raise the money that it's it's not as sexy as it could be.
0: hmm Yeah. But but I do anyway, I, I do really, really like this book. I like the society lessons. I love the opera. Yeah let's
1: talk I, about the sex now. Let's just talk about the sex No now. no
0: I want let's talk about the opera real quick because I, I Oh I thought you were talking about the opera kiss. Okay. Oh, well, we can start with the opera kiss and then talk about what happens after it, too. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so what happens at the opera is, so they're at the opera because Lord Dark, who what, she, who Isabel had been flirting with for a while and she had considered taking as her next lover. Uh, so Lord Dark and Winter are sort of having this, they're jealous of each other, sort of, right? Sure. Right. Well, I mean, Winter's definitely jealous of lord dark yes and lord dark is more just trying to needle him Mm -hmm. right so anyway he invites him to a night at the opera he invites the whole party to a night at the opera to basically show everyone how bad winter is at being you know at social graces basically right and Winter decides, he decides to go, not to take part in this competition, but because he is investigating these lassie snatchers um, who've been stealing some young women off, the children off of the streets of St. Giles. And so Winter shows up dressed as the ghost of St. Giles. And Isabel happens to be out in the retiring room when the ghost arrives. (laughs) And at that point,
1: she gives in and kisses him. And it is in that moment that she knows that Winter and the ghost are one and the same.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, she had the, the best, in my opinion, the best part about this book. Not the best part, but one of the best, one of the things that makes this she, such a she good book. Had
1: a, she had a hy- hypothesis. She,
0: oh, she had, she she knew by the time they kissed like before they actually kissed she's like yeah this is this is winter mm-hmm.
1: but it's that moment that it all comes yeah. together for her yeah. and then the guy who had challenged winter to the society lessons walks in as isabella's kissing the ghost
0: yeah and challenges him basically doesn't challenge him to a duel but is like pull out your sword. We're having, we're having a sword fight right here. And then it turns into this like sword and cape movie and they fight like through the opera, they fight on the balcony railing of the opera and at the end winter gets away by cutting the, the, uh, the, the, yes, the curtain, but it's the rope that holds the curtain and he grabs it and he swings into the stage. Like this is, it's cinematic is what it is. It is.
1: And then, of course, he narrowly escapes, only to immediately change back into the clothes of Winter Makepeace, because now Winter needs to be at the opera. Yes. He did, but so after the opera, he disappears.
0: After the, after the opera, he disappears. Yeah, he walks home with, with his costume in a bag. Which, Hilarious. It's really it's actually really funny.
1: <laughs> I enjoyed it very, very much. But then so they're at um a ball at the evil he, man's
0: yeah. family's home. Lord Garth. And so, he's not evil, he's just whatever.
1: He's the villain. He's sort of a of villain. sorts. He's
0: sort. the villain of the
1: society winter.
0: Yes. Yes. Not yes, of the ghost. Exactly. Exactly. So he's 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 a villain. He's villainous in that he, you know. He likes to poke at Winter, but he's not villainous in that he's trafficking in children.
1: Sure. So Society Winter uses it as an opportunity to snoop around his house. Yeah. And Isabel realizes that's what's happening, so she goes to catch him in the act, and then they get into a different act. Meg, let's talk about this encounter while they're in hiding during snooping.
0: Okay. Look, I... I've said this before. I'm sure I'll say it again. Elizabeth Hoyt writes things that in real life I would not be into. But in the books, I'm like, that sounds really hot. And this is one of those things.
1: So, um, Isabel is pressed up against Winter hiding behind a curtain. And she's like, I am so affected. He is so obviously unaffected. This is bullshit. So they're in cramped space and can't get caught. So she reaches behind her and tries to grab a stick.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then things things progress even beyond that. Mm-hmm. And it this is so this is also the first time Winter's ever had like a any intimate touching at all, right?
1: Right, like his first kiss was their kiss of the opera. Mm-hmm. She I knows know. he's a person already, by the way. This like came up.
0: Oh yeah, this this is the other thing I like about this book is the whole virginity thing has come up. I don't want to say naturally, but it has come up in a conversation before when they weren't having sex. So it's Mm -hmm. not like a surprise in the middle. It's not like a surprise in the middle of a sexual encounter.
1: Right, right, right. So she's well aware of what she's sort of demanding of him in that moment.
0: And he does not stop her. He doesn't stop her. He... I think so. I because I was reading this too. I was because I was very interested in the consent in the right.
1: Encounters. Definitely a he doesn't stop her.
0: Yeah. Well, she he's first he says no, mm-hmm. and then she says let me, mm-hmm. and then he lets her.
1: He lets his hands drop. Yes. So it's not verbal consent.
0: It is not verbal consent. That said, <laughs> that said, <laughs> yeah.
1: This is the blowjob where they both cry.
0: Yes. Yes, this is the most emotional blowjob you'll ever read.
1: Yeah. It's. And then after he comes with a woman for the first time, he yanks her to his feet, her feet, makes out with her, and then disappears from the ball.
0: (laughs) Yep. And then that is
1: when in the carriage on the way home, she catches him in the street. This is the party where the guy gets murdered. She's like, oh, my God, they think you killed a man. What are you doing out here?
0: Get like, into this carriage. Get in my carriage right now.
1: <laughs> and that is when Winter discovers that she knew the whole time that she was blowing him, that he was, in fact, Winter and not just the ghost. And so that leads him to immediately have
0: sex with her. Yes. But I, I mean, I, I love it because the whole she has known that it is Winter for a while. She's yeah. known who the ghost is for a long time. And she's more pissed off at him for not telling her than she is about what he's doing
1: and this is the moment where he's like oh you knew all along it was me this changes everything you weren't and, just into the ghost
0: yeah We're, we I are lo- now I love how she's like what do you think I do I just go up to random dudes at balls and and then of course she's gonna say like and suck them off or whatever and he stops her by like ferociously making out with her which I guess the trope, which is, you know, stop the argument by kissing her. But um, I was I, I was digging it. I was into it here. Yeah, it's a lot. And so basically from that moment
1: on, that's the switch. So now he's going to her and asking for sex lessons. And then he falls in love with her. And then he decides to sex her into a green to get married. Mm-hmm. And I'm glossing over so many really hot encounters.
0: There are a lot. A lot of really hot encounters. Also, in this in the meantime, here he loses his job as the headmaster of the school. Mm -hmm. And he he's like, Oh yeah, I know someone who who might live in (laughs) (laughs) and just shows up at our house and moves in. And I was like, Yeah, I was like, Oh my god, winter, like, yes. But from the point he moves in, he's like, No, 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 this is a war of attrition. You're gonna yeah. come
1: to me and you're gonna to come to me wanting to be my wife, or I'm gonna stay out of your bed. And then he caves. And the
0: space, thank
1: God. is absurdly sexy.
0: So hot, Lane. Yeah. What? Uh-huh. But that
1: is the last sex scene in the book.
0: It is the last sex scene in the book. There's another, you think there's gonna be another sex scene, but it turns into like major crying and and trauma healing. Yeah, so that was fine. It's fine. Like, it's not, that's where I got my teary eyes um, with yeah. that scene.
1: I would, I will say, I mean, it's hard to criticize sexiness in a Hoyt. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't. Right. No, you can't. But I will say, I would have liked one sex scene when the conflict was resolved.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree. I do agree. It would have been nice. Instead, we get, we get a really fun public proposal and a nice kiss but yeah that was so cute it was really cute wasn't it and look this isn't elizabeth hoyt who doesn't usually do cute this was cute
1: i mean she does a lot of over the top things like cinematics type type duels in a couple of her books
0: yeah she I, does. this was
1: the first time i felt like she really leaned into the big cinematic proposal
0: yes it was it was good well i mean we have it it's the first time yes we had it in sweetest scoundrel too. remember with the fireworks and the the whole thing. Oh, that's fair. But doesn't that book come after this one in the series? It does. I, so, so I was going to say, it does come after this one. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. But So this was, it was very, very adorable. Honestly, though, for a book that's, like, as gritty and grungy as this one is, and then as explicit as this one is, the, like, G-rated adorable proposal sort of came out of nowhere. Like, his it, first proposal happens while he's, like, sexing her into submission and is still inside of her. Uh-huh. The second uh-huh. thing to happen in front of a room full of children is just a real 180.
0: It is, but it's also, it, you know what it is? It's the evolution of winter. Because before he met Isabel, he kept all of his urge, all like really, they talk about how he kept all of his emotions bottled inside, right? Yeah. It wasn't just like the bad ones, it was like all the emotions, even the good emotions. People thought he was boring. Yeah, people thought he was boring. And, um, Winter is not very boring in this book, guys. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I, I, I really, really like this book a lot. It's so much fun.
1: One last thing before our summary that is neither a pro nor a con is just something that I can't believe we didn't bring up. So, she has a child who's her ward, and he's obviously the warden of a foundling home. So, there's a lot of kids who play really major roles in this book. How did you feel like the kids were used?
0: I mean, I-, I felt that it was very natural. I've never had a problem with the kids in this book.
1: I would agree. And usually I'm really annoyed by children. I will say to a degree, I thought they were all plot devices, but in a way that didn't great at all. Yeah. So like, usually I'm the first one to be like, send the kids off to grandma. Why am I reading this? was not bothered by the kids so if your first thought was oh my god this is a book about an orphanage and I hate reading about kids I'm gonna and like especially kids and infertility I'm gonna hate this I was not bothered and I usually hate both of those topics
0: and guys there is number one no epilogue where they have a kid and number two in all of the million books that come after this one because there are there are like seven more books eight more books that come after this one they do not have kids so she is truly infertile and i i know this sounds really stupid but i actually appreciate that in in a romance novel at this given that this
1: is the first one we've read exactly but so overall i would recommend it and meg
0: obviously i recommend this book one of my favorites you know go for it
1: so much for listening
0: If you enjoy listening to the podcast, we would really appreciate it if you could rate, review, and subscribe. Hello, everyone. This is Meg. This is Lane. And this is a special Happily Ever After epilogue to our (laughs) Thief of Shadows episode.
1: Yeah, so as you guys know, we recorded that episode, oh, many years ago. And now that we're doing a Maiden Lane reread in order, we wanted to make sure we released this one so you guys didn't have to go back hunting for it if you're doing the reread along with us. But obviously, uh, especially my takes may have changed, given that I hadn't read the first three before reading Thief of Shadows. So we figured we'd uh,
0: do a little Q&A for you. Yeah. I mean, that's the main question that I have for you. The first time you read Thief of Shadows, you hadn't read any other Maiden Lane books. This might even have been, I think, your first Elizabeth Hoyt. I don't think you had read any Hoyt even at the time. I had. Um, Um, What's, yeah. the,
1: what's the the Raven Prince? Oh, had you read that one too? Mm-hmm. I'd yeah. read Raven Prince before I read this one.
0: So I guess the question is now you've read more Elizabeth Hoyt, and you've also read the first three in this series. Do you, so first of all, I guess the first question is, has your perspective on this book changed at all after having read the first three? Okay,
1: so two things. One, I'm doubling down even harder that you absolutely can't start with this book. <laughs> There were so many things, so many things that I, like, definitely was not, like, I knew there was something I wasn't understanding, but just how many things I wasn't understanding became very clear to me. So, like, I was frustrated by it, and then reading it, like, I think the additional context of the first three books is necessary to get maximum enjoyment out of this book.
0: Oh, to get maximum enjoyment, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Okay. Second thing.
1: I appreciated Winter's character development a lot more. Mm-hmm. I think because you only really see him being witty in a couple of exchanges with his siblings in the first three books, right? So I think just how like pithy he is, especially as the ghost in his initial interactions with Isabel in Thief of Shadows, like I did not appreciate what an organic departure from the character he presented previously that had been. And I think, I didn't re-listen to our episode, so who knows if this is accurate, but I sort of recall thinking that his personality as the ghost and his personality as Winter were, like, too disparate. Right. And I kind of think I get that more, having read the first three books and seeing the character he was in those. Yeah. And I think I liked Isabel more. Yeah. Appreciating some of their earlier interactions.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's is interesting because I do think that I read this one in order. I, I remember being like, oh, Elizabeth White has a new series, I'm gonna read it. But I kind of fell off the Maiden Wayne bandwagon shortly after this one, actually. That I picked Oh best great, best that makes
1: it. me so excited to read the next books. <laughs>
0: Well, I think it was more, it wasn't because of the books. I, I stopped reading romance for a little while. Mm, okay. And then I came back to it. Got it. Yeah. And for for some reason it was in the middle of the series. Um, okay. So these are questions that I've had and I think very influenced by some of our recent books that okay. we've read. So i reread this book and I realized there's a the part where he says he's made a vow to his role as the ghost which is very similar to a priest's vow. And Isabel says this too. She's like, what, you think you're a priest or something? And he's like, uh, kinda, yeah. <laughs> like, I am. <laughs> yep. So, speaking um, from the perspective of just having finished Priest, what do you think of this book as, like, priest kink? Or, like, man of God corruption I, or what? It's not at all.
1: No. I don't think the trope is there. There's no, like, true higher calling he's made a vow to.
0: You don't think he's made a, a vow to the poor? No. So that's, also, no? I,
1: no, and I think also part of what, like, works about Priest Kings for me specifically, I'm not going to speak for everyone else, is, like, the ritual of Catholicism uh-huh. and the history of the institution and, like, this being a part of someone so much bigger than yourself. Winter remains that man with a celibacy fetish.
0: I mean, not. I, I'm not going to say no to that. Like, right, it's not like I dislike
1: it, but like, I would not, in any way, if someone's like, I like priest kink books, I would not think to recommend this to them on the basis of that.
0: That's, that's fair. Okay, and then, again, from my reading, I've read a lot of paranormal historicals recently, and even just regular paranormal. And I was very struck, this time when I reread it, about how Winter sees himself in his role as the ghost. is this like a duality. It's his mm-hmm. darkness. And like that part of him is attracted to Isabel. But like he can't act on it. But his dark part can. And it yeah. just felt like very. This is like some werewolf shit. Is what I'm thinking. That.
1: I can see more actually.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um...
1: Again, the transformation's not against his will. I think for me, it was really more leaning into the superhero with a secret identity.
0: I mean, that's, that's, I that's obviously odd. like the main trope, right?
1: Yeah, but I do think the self-control confronted mm-hmm. with the one thing that can snap your control, but also introduces you and makes you care about a part of yourself you previously didn't. I can see the supernatural tie-in.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. That's it. Those are my prepared questions. I have more.
1: Um, I will say I always really appreciate when an author has timelines of books overlapped and I didn't realize this book sort of did. Yeah. Like the end with the freeing of silence, like silence and Michael, spoiler, at their house in the countryside, like timeline wise, overlapped with the beginning of this book and her siblings, like being concerned about her. And so I think that added like additional depth that I hadn't appreciated at all on the first right. reading. Right. Um, I think this book remains hotter than I remember, but I also am like sort of amazed at my own inability to block out the things that. I feel, like, detract, like, the Megs and her boyfriend. Totally forgot that happened in this book. And we've read it, like, twice in the last two years. And, like, it's not that it's bad. It's not, like, one of the points B plots that annoys me. It was just so not relevant. Yeah, plot.
0: it's it's not the bad – it's not as bad as it could have been. No, no. But because I, it does saying. have a little bit of overlap with the plot. And then it also – there's that part where Isabel is, like, so – it brings up her feelings about her infertility.
1: Right, so I'm not saying it's the most irrelevant. I'm just saying I can't bother to remember it, apparently.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, what about what about how Silence writes to them and it's like, hey guys, I'm married. I remember <laughs> you were like, how was she gonna keep this a secret? And I'm like, apparently she didn't. She just told her <laughs> family, like, hey, FYI, I'm married and this is his alias, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yep. your, your concerns have been answered
1: <laughs> right they are they're not really concerns it's a just ignore it
0: yeah well I mean I can I really can hand wave a lot of stuff by being like well there's no internet like right. there, are, there are no police dispatches you know <laughs> like yeah, whatever. whatever like, her family's not going to give her up you know what I mean
1: I wasn't worried about her family giving her up I'm concerned about the fact that it's going to be very obvious (laughs) if they ever see another person, what went down.
0: Oh, I know. I know.
1: That's all.
0: That's all. All right. I mean, that's that's really our special epilogue for you. I don't know, do you have any questions or additional comments?
1: This is still my favorite one of the series so far.
0: I mean, it, this book is like, I, I don't want to go too far out on a limb, but it is kind of a masterpiece of historical romance. <laughs> Thank you.